I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is the stories we tell. What's up, y'all? It's your host, Jamie Messina, and as always, we have an awesome show lined up for you today. Kirsten Bunch, she's a coach. Um, She's helping professionals get promoted to leadership positions and make more money without sacrificing their queer identities. I know so many people who are in the corporate world or, or different spaces where they just don't even want to be out because they're afraid of what that might do for potential growth in the company, and Kirsten is helping people um, come coaching them through that experience. So before we get to that, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please go ahead and do that. And if you find value in today's episode or any of the episodes that you hear, uh, go over and leave us a five-star review. That's going to help me reach my goal of rippling out to at least a million humans with this podcast. Um, And I'm excited to share this conversation with Kirsten today. I hope that it helps a lot of you. I think many of you who have come to me have experienced what some of her clients go through. So Without further ado, let's go. All right. So I have here with me Kirsten Bunch, who um, uh, I was connected with another podcast member actually was like, uh, hey, you you need to interview this person. So Kirsten, can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, Jamie, I'm really excited to be here and thank you for inviting me to come on your podcast. Um, so I am, um, well, what I, what I do for work, um, is I am a uh, career and life coach working primarily with the LGBTQ community. Um, my focus is, uh, at, on being queer at work, um, and specifically how do you, you know, how do you embrace your queer self and be your authentic self while in the workplace? in particular in more conservative work settings. Ooh, yeah, okay. So um, I like to jump right into that now that you said it, but um, so can you tell me what, I don't, yeah, obviously you don't have to tell who your clients are, but uh, what kind of companies have you worked with um, where this has kind of been a challenge for people where you help them feel good and within that? Yeah, yeah, I'd ha- be happy to talk about that, obviously not gonna share the client details, but um. So I have, let's see, so I coached um, over, I think it's about 2,000 hours at this point. So I've had clients from many different sectors in many different parts of the world. Um, and um, the the clients, my LGBTQ clients that tend to come to me are either in um, the tech sector, so have clients from Google and Meta and all those big names, um, which you would think that it being like not such a conservative, those not tech not being such a conservative industry, it wouldn't be a big issue, but a lot of my clients are still 
having trouble being out at work, being there, you know, and if they're out being, feeling like they're accepted and that they belong. Um, I also work with um, clients from more, what you would call more conservative industries. So like the financial industry, insurance industries, um, telecom, which I wouldn't have thought was like a big conservative industry, but apparently it is. Um, and then every once in a while, um, I'll work with a client who's working in the nonprofit world and is working for, you know, like a um, Catholic nonprofit or something like that. That's, yeah, that has different values and different beliefs than the person than my client. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, one wouldn't think that a, a company like Google or Facebook would be much of an issue. You know, looking from the outside in, uh, I'd be like, oh, yeah, everybody's probably just open in those companies. What are some of the challenges that they face? Yeah, so my clients face, well, first of all, I want to say that my my LGBTQ clients face normal problems and challenges that we all face in our careers. Like, do I want to stay in this career? I'm really burned out. I want to switch career careers. How do I do that? How do I get promoted? Um, how do I deal with a difficult colleague or um, manager that, you know, those kind of things. And then on top of that, I'll have clients who are struggling with my boss says homophobic things or more these days, transphobic things in in professional settings in meetings even and if i stand up to them if i stand up to my boss then i'm feel like i'm going to be you know either passed up for promotion excluded from the team or or worse right um i also have clients who are you know maybe in a really supportive environment but they're or they've either decided to come out or they're transitioning or, you know, there's been a big change in their life and um, they're really struggling with how they show up in the workplace as their new, as their, you know, as their full self embracing their identity. Um, and this can be, you know, this can be somebody in their twenties that is really early in their career. And it can also be somebody who's in their mid fifties who's, decided that they want to be really open and clear about who they are in, in the workplace and want, and they want help doing that. Yeah. You know, that's something that I feel, I was having this conversation the other day, even though I've been out since I'm eight, I was 18, I'm going to be 41. There's still times where I find myself kind of going back into that shell of not being fully freely myself and I don't work for anybody else. I'm talking about like in the place that I live the other day, you know, um, we have a pool area and you know, the person I was dating was there and they were being touchy. And like, I went back into that old way of being like when I was 18, where I was like, oh, no, nobody can see, like I have to be. And I wonder why do you have insight into why that happens, especially with those of us who've been out for a long time and are very open, <laughs> um, why that bounces back to that sometimes. Well, I think there's a, and by the way, I should say that I experienced that too. I even have a name, a name for it. So when, you know, when you're about to say something like my partner or I don't know, anything that would identify you as part of the LGBTQ community, there's like a catch. I call it the catch in your throat where you're like for a split second going, who is this person I'm talking to mm -hmm. and can I trust them? And I think, you know, what I think it is, is it's security. It's your, it's your 
quote unquote, you know, coachy term, but survivor brain or your saboteur saying, hey, there might be danger here. So mm-hmm. take a moment. Because, you know, the reality is, well, and I was just about to say the reality is, like, years ago, we would be in danger if we did something like that. But no, that's bullshit. Because can I swear? It's not cut it out. No, yeah. Um, sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's happening now. It's happening now. How many, how many members of our, you know, trans community are killed every year just for being who they are? And, you know, I can't tell you how many clients I have and young people, too, who are, you know, they feel physically threatened if they show any display in public or anything like that. Um, so I think your fear is real. And I also think it's probably, you know, a bit of your survivor brain. Danger, danger, take a moment, look around, see what's going on, make sure we're safe here. Yeah. So it's my brain doing its job because its job is to keep me alive. And we don't know at this point with the, especially I live in Florida. So, you know, we don't know know what's safe and what's not. Um, Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's good insight. I had um, somebody recently tell me, you know, their, their girlfriend was over and their cleaners came and and they hesitated to introduce this person as their girlfriend. So, and I'm like, you know, I, I experienced that as well. It doesn't matter if you're newly out. Um, and now you as well said the same. Are you a, a late in life or when did you come out? Um, no, I came out in my 20s um, and have been I'm very out. Um, <laughs> however, I would say, like, just to share a little bit of my personal story and why this, this is so important to me that I, about eight years, eight months ago, um, my relationship, my marriage of 18 years, um, imploded. And um, part of that, a, a big reason beyond, behind why that happened was this kind of difference of opinion of how we deal with our identity. Um, my um, partner is not out at work, was not out at work for our entire marriage, and hid my identity from her workplace and was at work all the time was the kind of person that worked 24 7 traveled all the time for work and so I always put it like this if um if I if I had died god forbid nobody from her workplace would have known to come to my funeral to support her they wouldn't have known and that was 18 years of that um so it's you know, I, it, it, there's almost this part of me that wants to say like, oh, like as a society, we've moved on and we've made so much progress, which we have, like clearly we have. But this is still a really big issue for people. And it's a really big issue for me. It's a really big issue for my clients. Um, and for people who are like, listen, like, I want to be a leader. I want to be a CEO. And how am I going to do that if I can't even share who I am? If yeah. I can't even be open about who I am. Absolutely. Um, so that, you lived that way for a long time. Um, yes. How did that feel as a partner? Um, what were the, some of the, and I hope it's okay to ask. Is this okay to ask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really okay to ask. Um, I have to say this is the first time I'm talking about this publicly. So um, I'll choose my words carefully. Um, it never felt good. I'll put it that way. Um, and you have to remember that 
we were married well 18 like 18 years ago like well we were together for a couple of years before we got married so like like say 16 years ago so that was like in the mid the early 2000s right mm-hmm. so no you know same-sex marriage wasn't legal I think even I don't remember exactly but like don't ask don't tell like I don't know if that was even still a thing or had well that was a thing till recently <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean this is like a different time right like I even remember um when we decided to get married I was and um you know we were trying to figure out like what do I want to wear and all that I had this like I there was nobody to look to and be like oh like that lesbian couple like where's a wedding dress right now it's like everybody kind of like there's lots of examples and stuff like that but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't in the public eye you didn't see it and so there were a lot it was a different time is what I'm trying to say um so in many ways it made sense to me like yeah I get why I get why you don't want to be out in the workplace I get that but fast forward 18 years later a lot has changed and i was never um one to say you you know you need to come out of work to me that is not my decision that it's a very personal decision when you come out to anywhere and by the way we come out over and over again all the time mm-hmm. um but that's a personal decision but what i realized after you know many years is that i was actually hiding my identity in order to protect my partner's career my partner's, you know, desire not to be out. And that felt really, really crappy. And I got to a point where I'm like, I'm not, like, I'm not doing that anymore. I am who I am. I love who I am. I love being queer. I love loving women. And I'm not hiding that anymore. And especially in a time where it's like, you know, are, are we talking about, are we talking about physical safety? And for some people, we are. But in this case, we weren't. We were talking about ability to make money. And I think that's, you know, I think that's important and everything, but it wasn't just, it just wasn't the journey that I was willing to go on anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that first. Um, I know that's personal and, you know, here we are sharing it with the whole uh, podcast world. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Um, but I know that's going to be really helpful. There, there are a lot of people, at least that I work with, that go through similar things on both sides of the spectrum. Either their partner isn't wanting to be as out as they are or vice versa. Um, and it's it's challenging to navigate, I think, in a relationship. But clearly, y'all did it for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any words of advice or wisdom for maybe somebody that's in that situation, whether it be on one side or the other? Yeah, um, I I want to say like figure out what your non-negotiables are. Mm. So in every relationship, you have you, you should have, um, or it's healthy to have non-negotiables. Your boundaries. Like this is what this is what I'm willing to put up with, and this is what I'm not willing to put up with. This is you know this is my boundaries. And then you can have the negotiables like okay, like this is important to me, but I'm willing to negotiate. But those non-negotiables, and it might be, I'm never coming out at work. Don't ask me ever to come out at work. I don't want to talk about this. I'm never coming out at work. And if you know that when you're getting into a relationship or you know that now, communicate that with your partner so that they know. And then on the other side, if you're just like, 
I can't, I don't want to be, I flatly do not want to be with somebody who's not out at work. Or I don't care if you're not out at work as long as I'm in, like you and I are, you know, I'm in your life. I'm not excluded from your life. Because, you know, there's a big difference between like, I'm not at work, out at work, I'm keeping you a secret, and I'm not going to tell you anything about what's going on at work, and I'm going to lie to you. And listen, I'm not comfortable being at work, but like, let me tell you what's really important to me about work and what's really going on. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, non-negotiables for sure. I think even, you know, obviously within a relationship and, but anyone who's listening, whether you're in a relationship or not, like knowing that now and figuring those out and exploring that is huge because it helps to pick the right partner. You know, sometimes we can be blinded by the chemicals, but really all these non-negotiables are present, but we just are ignoring those because here are the chemicals in our brain. And then 18 or 15 years later, you're like, shit, what happened? (laughs) You know? Well, it's true. But, and also people, you know, things change our values, you know, as a coach, like our values change at different stages of our life. And, you know, the reality of relationships is that it's about people and people change. Um, you know, and I think that you can be as clear as you want about your values when you first meet and you get together and all that. And I think it's, you know, you kind of have to keep that, that line of communication and vulnerability open in order to experience how, how each other are changing and growing and values are different and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I always say like, it, if you aren't growing, then you're dying, right? So if you, you should be changing as you grow and learn new things and make new connections in your brain and realize what you like and you don't like. And communication is key in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I would also say like one other thing is I was also saying like, if it, in the beginning, if something doesn't feel right, like we all, we all have that gut instinct if something doesn't feel right. Like don't ignore that. Don't ignore that for the sake of the chemicals and the lovey-dovey and it's wonderful and beautiful because that what doesn't feel right is probably going to grow over time. Let's talk about that for a minute because, you know, I've been in situations in the past where there was, this was not even a feeling, but like this state of confusion where your brain's kind of going, it's like like shaking back and forth. Like, okay, I feel like something's not connecting, but I'm ignoring it. Like, what do you know what that's called in your brain when you do that? When you feel that something's not right, but you're ignoring it or you're pushing it aside because you can't quite grasp it, but really it's your like survival instincts or something telling you that, you know, something's off. But obviously the chemical like there's this there's confusion there because the chemicals in your brain are telling you one thing, your underlying subconscious body and everything else is telling you something else. How do we get clear on that when it comes up or even recognize it? Yeah, I, I think you have to be still and and to listen to what's going on in your body. You know, um, sorry, my dog has decided to join us. <laughs> um, it, you know, we, you know, our emotions live in our body, and what you're talking about is, you know, that kind of like feeling that like, ah, what's going on here? That that is an emotion, kind of like trying to work its way through your body and get your attention. And it's not just like kind of like a thing I'm saying about your emotions trying to get your attention in your body. It's an actual, you know, you have nerve endings all over your body. Like this is 
this is what's happening, right? And so the the thing is, though, is that you have to be still, you have to be quiet to be able to hear what your body's trying to tell you, what that emotion is trying to tell you. And thinking it through generally isn't going to work because this part of your brain that's saying, wow, I really like this person. I really want this person. I really want a partner. I really want to feel loved because love is security, right? Like love is acceptance, belonging. And that's as humans what we crave. Um, so your brain is kind of going to over try to override that. You know, there's something not right here. And so you need to sit with like, okay, be, be able to be open with the possibility that something isn't right here and to listen into like what that might be. And then I would say the other place to look besides like the physical sensations and what's going on and all that. And by the way, like a coach is a really good person to help you through this because I'm sure you help your clients through this all the time. And most coaches for the most part know how to do this. Um, and the other thing too, is that when something feels off, the place I always go to with my clients and in myself is what is the value? What value is not being honored here? What's being stepped on? What, you know, cause when it, I, I think about values, like, um, like a pair of pants, when you're living your life in alignment with your values, it feels like you're wearing like a really great pair of pants, like lockdown pants, like really comfortable. Right. And when you're live, when something's going on in your life, that's against your values or, or yeah, it, your values are being stepped on. It's going to feel like you're wearing a pair of pants where the waistband is too tight or you're like tripping over the, the you know, them because they're too long. And so pay attention to that. It's really important. Yeah, I love that. I'm wearing a nice pair of pants right now. So I kind of look down. I'm like, oh, I like my pants. Today. I know, right? Like, okay, okay. Why um, wear uncomfortable pants? Why live a life not in line with your values? Right. And you know what? That makes a lot of sense because when I do have pants that are too tight, like all day long, I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm uncomfortable, but I can't like figure it out. Like I can, it's like it's a little tight, but like, you know, it's like that, that same feeling of like, I'm trying to grasp what's going on here. I know something's not right, but it's not right in front of my face. Like I've, I've totally been in that space before and um, yeah, just taking time to sit in with yourself. I love that. Um, that makes me, that makes me think of, um, you ever have a day where you're like, something is off today. I don't know what it is. Nothing particular is going wrong, but something is off. And then you like, you know, put your pajamas on, and, you know, get undressed and you're like, oh, I have my underwear on, on like wrong the whole day. Or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had no idea. <laughs> no idea. That's what it was. And it's something <laughs> tiny, but super important. Right. right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I know that you're working on a book right now. It's, it's in this beginning stages. What, what is that going to be all about? Yeah, so it's about what we've been talking about in, in you know, being queer at work, being LGBTQIA plus at, at work. And how do you do that? And, and, and how do you um, show up wholly, authentically, um, queerly in a way that feels right to you? And it go, you know, it goes into what is, you know, what do you need to consider? what um what do you need to look out for what's important to you um i've divided the book into pretty much three different categories which is like body like what is a body what is it body mind and spirit so body what does it mean to be a queer body at work for some of us 
it doesn't really matter that much. Like we passed it, it, it doesn't matter, but for other people, it matters a lot. Um, and I think about, I was at, um, I was, I was at like, uh, getting eyeglasses and there was a um, person, there were like a bunch of people there like working and, and there was a person there who was definitely on more of like the non-binary, you know, in many ways, male presenting that had like long fingernails and painted fingernails. And it was very different than everybody else that was working there. And so that's like an example of your physical body and how you present yourself it is, is noticeable at work. And, you know, a client, a customer could come in and say, hey, I don't want to work with that person or I really want to work with that person. You know, mm-hmm. so it makes a difference. And then mind is um, how you how you know your mind, how do you, how you um, leverage how your mind works for you to be able to be able to be as successful as you can be in your career, in your chosen career um, or not successful. If, if success isn't your, your jam, that's cool too. But knowing what it is that you want and learning how to use, how to interact with your mind in the way. Um, and then spirit is, spirit is so much harder to just verbalize, right? It's, it's a feeling, it's a, what's, you know, what's going to make you feel alive and what's important to you and what does it mean to have a career that, or, or a vocation, by the way, it doesn't have to be a career that is going to fulfill you on a, on a more of a self-actualization level instead of a, let me just go to work today and make some money and come home and talk about how unhappy I am at work. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know how that goes. I've been on both ends of that. Um, yeah. You know, when you talk about the body part, it, it brings up some things for me. It, hair length was huge. You know, I could get by, even though I guess, yeah, when I had longer hair, um, I was able to get by if I needed to without saying, you know, my sexuality. And although things have changed in the past 20 years, I think it's very clear if you see me that I'm I'm on the LGBTQ plus spectrum there somewhere. Um, And so I found that even, and I wonder if this happens within work, you know, even just with certain people hitting on me, that was an unwanted thing like men um all i needed to do was cut my hair and life i fucking chilled out for me a little bit i didn't have these guys trying to be like well you just have another right guy yet they they completely changed their tune and went to a different direction so instead of hitting on me and saying like oh you just need to hang out with me now they're telling they're saying things to me oh you know talking about women and and in the same way makes me still uncomfortable (laughs) because i'm like i don't want to be having this conversation with you you're not being respectful and you think that I'm on the same page as you because I look like this, but like I'm not. And <laughs> um it's just funny how how we present, how our bodies, what we wear, our hair length does play a role in in those things. And um I didn't cut my hair till after I didn't work for somebody else. You know, and I can see that I might feel a little challenged um had I had a boss or a company that I worked for and what that would mean having to show up with those people every day and how I would be treated there. Um, do you find that often with with clients? Yeah. Yeah, a lot. So it's it's um especially for people 
uh, you know where I see that a lot is either uh, two places. One, somebody who's um, coming out for the first time um, and they're trying to figure out, you know, coming out is hard for anybody, no matter how you're coming out and all of that. I think it's, it's, it can be really hard. And what can be really hard about it is like, what's my physical body doing in this, right? How do I want to wear my hair? What do I want to wear? Um, if you're, you know, if you're transitioning, it's even, it's a much, even a much bigger question, right? Um, so I work with a lot of people who are just like, yeah, like, I just need help figuring out what I want to wear to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of like, maybe a little funny thing to work with a coach on, but there's so much be a below that, right? Like, it's all about identity and belonging. And we need, we need to belong. That's like, we are social creatures, we are designed to want to belong. So it is really important. The other place I see it is People who are, um, I see this more with, with um, cis women, um, people who are moving up in their career. They're going from being um, individual contributors to managers or even from manager into leadership. And they have been, I'm going to quote unquote, playing it safe, right? They haven't like done anything with their hair. They, but they, you know, they realize that on the weekends they're dressing and presenting completely different than they do in the office. And the, you know, they don't want to continue to move up into leadership without saying, "This is who I am. This is how I dress. This is how I wear my hair. I'm queer. I'm trans. And whatever." And it's there's something about that people get to a certain point where they're like i I don't know like i i want to show up as who i am and i want everybody to know that and then there's this other piece of like oh my god people are looking at me in the way of like i'm a leader now people are looking up to me there's a huge difference if you are a 20 something year old 20 something entering the workforce trying trying to decide how do I show up as being queer here? And you have a manager or an executive who's out saying, this is how I dress. This is how I present. I love it. And I love you for being here. Versus you kind of get that vibe that somebody in leadership, that person in leadership may not be heteronormative, but they're completely acting like there's nothing there, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing to see here, people. Nothing to see here. It's it's very different, and it it creates a culture and organizations that is drastically different different when it comes to belonging, and belonging leads to performance. You know, leads to yeah. I can see if I was an employee and leadership was clearly on my team, but hiding that, I wouldn't feel safe in that environment to share who I am. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent now. Mm. and and I bet and I don't know I don't know if a study has been done on this but I I bet you if you look at teams where there are no outwardly identifying queer people if you look at the leadership there's not going to be anybody there that is identifying as queer and if you look at teams where there are you know there is a leader who's identifying as queer um, and outwardly identifying as queer 
I bet you if you look down the line, you're going to see more queer people. That, but that's just that just sparked a thought in my head about like all that's happening right now and like visual like being visible in schools and having books and how you know there's this whole talk around well you're swaying people's minds and it's like well what came first the chicken or the egg like is it is it really that you're swaying the minds no <laughs> or do they feel safer in expressing who they truly are because that's present already and that's there and they feel supported yeah it's an interesting question and I um so I do um suicide prevention work with LGBTQ young people, teens, young people. And um it, it you know, it doesn't matter what they're teaching in school. These kids are just like, listen, this is who I am, my parents aren't accepting me, I don't feel like I belong, my church is telling me I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, a lot of them are coming and saying, My government now telling me that I'm all so I have no place in this world so let me me jump not to be jerk well I won't say it but I'm you know I have no place in this world I don't belong anywhere and somebody please just listen to me and tell me that okay yeah yeah you know that's why I started talking about um LGBTQ issues on my social media because for a long time even though I was I never shared it until probably I was like in my thirties. Um, and after that, I would just realize how important it was. I had people's parents reaching out being like, I keep showing my, my son or my daughter, your posts and it's helpful. And I'm like, oof, you know, I didn't realize how important it was to have a presence and, and share that piece. And of course, for some people, it's difficult to put yourself out there because obviously sometimes that invites the wrong attention. But I think for the majority, at least for me, the majority of responses is a good one um so i'm thinking about being out at work especially in positions of you know higher level positions um and maybe somebody who's listening to this that might be in that position where they're like i don't want to jeopardize my growth in a company or what have you seen in the sense of are you finding that some people do you know get denied promotions and um you know, making progress in their career because of that and vice versa, um, where, hey, that doesn't matter either. Like, are you seeing both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, 100% seeing both ends of the spectrum. I mean, generally, um, in my experience, a client will come to me after they've been denied a promotion because they've come out as queer, um, actually generally it's not it's not that they've come out it's that they've stood up for something or they've rocked the boat in a way um you know i had like for example i had a client who who stood up in a meeting because the you know the the, it wasn't even their boss it was like an executive made a a comment that was um derogatory towards trans people and, you know, this person who was on a DE and on a was like, listen, she, you know, let's not, let, should we be using that terminology? Um, and then was denied a promotion. Um, they did eventually get that promotion, by the way, but it, you know, it was really stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, what I'm seeing is that um, 
people who do come out have put a lot of thought into it and are ready to ready to deal with whatever's going to come their way right and and they also and one of the things i work on with my clients is like okay like if you want to come out at work or if you want to transition at work let's talk about who's your support system who are your allies at work um who's going to be who's going to be who's going to have your back who's your champion um what kind of team are you operating in and do you want to stay on that team um you know how is this going to look how is this going to look for you and then and when when things get tough like how do you you know how do you want to deal with that what, you know so it's not like okay hey, like you know you come to coaching cool you're going to come out tomorrow and then mm-hmm. we'll deal with all like whatever happens let's just see what happens right it's more of a like now let's think about this, be thoughtful about this and get you prepared. And then you decide, do you want to do this? Do you don't want to do that? Um, or do you, do you want to, as opposed to come out, do you want to let people in, you know, or there's certain people on your team that you want to invite them in into your world and your heart and what's important to you as opposed to like kind of coming out and letting everybody in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, having some sort of plan and, and knowing what the consequences could be one way or another. And then you get to make the choice on, you know, what steps you want to take next. Yeah. And I also want to just, I want to make one statement here too, that, you know, we've been talking a lot about coming out at work and, you know, is work a safe place in writing this book and interviewing people. um, The one thing I knew this, but I guess I didn't really think, you know, it, um, is that work for many people is the safe, but it is the safe space. Mm. And home and family is not the safe space. And so they, you know, they get to like figure out who they are at work and they get to embrace their, embrace their queer identity at work. And it's like a really safe, welcoming place. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because it's not, you know, it's not always like, oh, I have to hide myself at work. It's not in any stretch of the message. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's the opposite. Interesting. Um, Okay. So I have a question for you that I ask all uh, my podcast guests, and I I wonder how this will be connected to everything that you shared. But um, when you, so when I ask somebody, you know, think of your childhood self, there's usually a certain age that immediately comes up. So if I ask you, you know, when you think of your childhood self, is there a certain age that comes up for you? For me, it's nine. Mm -hmm. What, What would yours be? Yeah. Eight. Eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you had the opportunity to speak with your eight-year-old self and kind of give them some guidance, um, words of wisdom, not necessarily like, hey, don't take that right, take that left, but just like guidance, words of wisdom that you know or want them to to hear, um, what would that be? Oh, well, I kind of feel like it's a little cliche, but I would just say stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking and telling you because you're going to, you, you're on the right path. Keep walking, forget about the rest of everybody else who's trying to fit in because you're probably never going to fit in. You are like this crazy, unique person. Um, so that, and then I would say, tell mom to find a roller derby team for you to play. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Tell me about that. I read that, um, in your like bio, it said uh, fun facts and that you <laughs> with yeah. roller derby. Tell me about the roller derby. 
Yeah, no, I mean, just to, just that. So at the, not at the age of eight, but the age of 46. So I'm 53 now. But at the age of 46, I um, decided I wanted to learn how to play roller derby. So I joined a team without knowing how to skate. Um, and I was a, I was on the team in New Jersey. Um, shout out to New Jersey Roller Derby. And um, they were amazing. Like the kindest, most supportive, open, welcoming community. And they, they're just like, you just be yourself. And you can be a horrible roller derby player, which basically I was. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't very good, especially like having skating with these like, you know, athletic, like 20, early 30 somethings. And here I am. And um, it, it was just the best experience. And I, I just, it, oh God, I just loved it so much. I wish I was still playing, but it's just not possible at this point in my life. What made you want to join? Did you see like them rolling or did you see something on TV or? Oh yeah, no, I would go and watch. Um, so I lived in New Jersey then. I live in Georgia now, just moved here about a month ago. Um, but I would go to uh, Gotham Girls, which is the, the, you know, one of the best teams in the world, the team out of New York. And I, yeah, I just loved watching them. And so I was trying to think of like, oh, well, let me go watch a, you know, a team here in Jersey. And I looked it up and, Found, they were they had like an open casting call or a, you know tryout call um and so I just decided why not let me let me do it yeah that has to be a little intimidating especially not knowing how to skate and you know I guess being older on the team were you older or were there a lot a lot of people your age no I was probably like uh the like one of two or three people in late 40s um so yeah but it it didn't really didn't really matter as far like when you're on the team or on the team it doesn't matter what age you are um yeah it was incredibly intimidating I had a really like, horrible anxiety the whole entire time <laughs> it was still really fun and I really loved it and um um I don't know I just think everybody should play roller derby at least once in their life to try to enjoy it <laughs> be part of such a welcoming community i've actually thought about it before i can skate but i'm little i'm like five two on a good day and i feel like i would just get my ass beat <laughs> you'd be a great jammer you'd be a great jammer which is the person who scores the points and kind of like goes so i was i was a blocker um so i was the one that like he had to try to get by me kind of thing and you know mm-hmm. i'm like almost six i'm five eleven you know i'm big so it, you know that was a really good position for me but I don't know, you might want to try it try to be a really good jammer especially if you already know how to skate um well not on roller skates on roller blades so <laughs> did you roller skate or roller blade a little bit of a roller, so quads roller skate yeah, yeah that it's a a transition but it's not that much of a transition i've tried before and for some reason it's Feel like I, I would go backwards like my head on the ground you know it's like challenging yeah. that's that's fun um that's cool you know feeling the fear of trying out I'm sure and doing it anyway and now something that you love and um mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah how many yeah. people would have wanted to do that but never would because of well I don't know how to skate well I'm too old well you know fill in the blank of an excuse here but you just went for it any words of wisdom on that? Maybe for somebody who's thinking about doing something that they have all these excuses, maybe of why they wouldn't succeed or why they couldn't do it. Well, first of all, your your brain's messing with you, so don't let your brain your you know don't let your brain mess with you. You can your brain like your survivor 
part of your brain, this part of your brain that's designed to keep you safe, like you mentioned earlier in our, our conversation, it's important, right? But it doesn't have to drive the bus all the time. You know, there, we don't live in a time where there's a tiger around the corner that's going to eat us at any moment. Right. And so, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, I'm not going to be afraid. Like I have clients all the time. I want to learn how not to be afraid. That's not really in your control. What you can do is learn how to have courage. And you have courage by dipping your toe in the water. And, you know, for some people, that means let me go watch, you know, using roller derby as an example, let me go watch a match. Um, or bout. I can't believe I said match. Bad roller derby person. <laughs> let me go watch a bout. And for another person, it might be like, let me get my skates. I'm joining the team. I'm jumping right in there. Get put me into the scrimmage. Like I'm ready. Right. So you have to figure out like what stepping out of your comfort zone means. Does it mean like stepping over the line a little bit or does it mean pushing yourself right up against to the edge of panic? And right. for different people, it's, it's different places. So I would say, you know, figure out what that means for you and then take that, take that step. And you can always go back to your comfort zone if it doesn't feel right. But chances are, once you take that step, you're going to take another step. You're going to take another step until you get to a place that feels right to you. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Is there, is there anything before we get going, um, anything else that you want to share with people? Maybe um, I'll, I'll share in the show notes, but you can share as well how they can find you, um, what they can look forward, you know, when you're, when do you uh, anticipate your book being complete? Yeah. So the book will come out in the fall of 2021, 2023. Um, and if you, uh, I have to put this up on my website, um, but if you go on my website soon, there'll be a place where you can sign up for a free copy of the book. Um, and then if you want to connect on, on all the socials, I'm actually at this point, because I do focus on career, more active on LinkedIn than any mm-hmm. of the others, but I'm also working on kind of like getting more out there on Instagram yeah. to see what else, maybe some other things coming down. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I'm a t- yeah. Yeah. TikTok's funny, right? With all yeah. that's going on with it, but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, and they can, I'll, I'll put those links in the, in the show notes. So if you um, want to follow along with Kirsten, you can check out the show notes and um, just thank you for joining us. Um, uh, it's cool what you're doing. I know it's definitely needed, especially as you know, with everything that's happening in the world today, I think, you know, it's definitely a concern for lots of people and we don't want a bunch of people just hiding who they are and not going after the things that they want or having to choose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're here. We're here for you. You know, you have a community out here cheering you on and rooting for you. So come on out, come join us. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jamie. That was Kirsten Bunch. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and found some value in it. Like I said, if if you have, please go over and leave us a five-star review. I will leave all the information on how to follow along with Kirsten in um, the description of this show, the show notes. So go over there. You can find out how to follow along with Kirsten. And uh, we'll be back again soon.